work-life balance, balance is bullshit. Part of my language, but being real, balance is bullshit. And what we can strive for is more so for work-life harmony. And that does come with boundaries and an ability to say no. I'm burnt out too. And that's my confession is that how burnt out I am, especially because it's Friday. So, you know, with that being said, we have a, a special guest, an amazing young man, Jamal Frewster. He is a life coach, chiropractor, and speaker. And more importantly, he's an advocate for our healthcare providers who, who helps doctors and nurses prevent burnout. So burnout is the name of the game. And I know for a fact that going to this COVID pandemic, you know, yeah. I've been burnt down. So He's going to help us work through that. Tell us about burnout. Tell us about what he does. So we want to welcome Jamal to the show. Welcome. Man, honored, privileged to be here, Jack. Thank you. Absolutely. It's, it's a much, it's a much needed conversation for sure. Yeah, yeah. How'd you get involved in this particular topic uh, of like burnt out positions? Yeah, well, let me tell you, I mean, quite simple, uh, going through grad school and having an appreciation of a lot of friends that have gotten into nursing in particular more so than medical doctor going to doctorate school, I noticed the lack of soul or the lack of anybody home, especially during midterms week, especially during the grind, especially turn, turn, as it goes from uh, fall into winter, you know, the sun goes away and you just see people kind of just freaking evaporate from how they be so that way you kind of check in with people like hello anybody right. home and you know after seeing this for so long in school and then diving deeper into conversation with friends being on clubhouse and connecting with more and more nurses and physicians now more so than ever it's yeah. been very powerful to affirm that this is absolutely it's a universal it's a universal phenomenon moms experience it uh i'm black and peruvian parents have busted their butts you know working doing all the things that are needed in order to provide for my sister and myself growing up and even though I didn't have words for it, something that I observed from my dad in particular, a blue collar worker, you know, humble, and just would do whatever that needed to be done. He was burnt out because he yeah. was working 50, 60, 70 hours of very strenuous work. So I'm in this because uh, I know the, or I have an awareness of the health of the healthcare professionals, ironic enough. And I know that they need support. Uh, So oftentimes doctors, nurses overextend themselves. Like I got to, I got to keep serving. Or uh, I heard in a recent episode, Sean Stevenson, the model health show. It's like, there's this badge of honor that comes with putting others needs before yours. And my question is then how does that then serve your patients? How does that serve the families? How does that serve that furry friend at at home? And how does that serve you? So one day, and I agree with you one day, it's a badge of badge of honor then the next day it feels like a burden so that's uh i didn't mean to cut uh dr Siraj off but uh yeah we gotta we gotta tease through that because right now i'm feeling like it's a burden and it's like i'm waiting to hit the lottery real quick no but you know what jamal i, I think you're right i like how you said it's um kind of the culture because you know we can talk about medicine and specifically um you know it's kind of like oh doctors don't cry you know they start training and at the because I am, as Clinton likes to pull, uh, point out, a couple years older than him. So in couple, 2005, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously I look younger. My skin looks brighter than his. Uh, I have a better personality. But yes, I am a little bit older. Um, but in 2005, they changed the training requirements. You know, they, you couldn't work more than 80 hours a week, which is already a lot. Unfortunately, I'm at the age where I worked. I did my residency before 2005. So guess what? 
no one cared if I worked 90, 100 hours a week, right? No one was saying, hey, you should go home. You look tired. It was keep working until, you, you know, if you're still alive, just keep going. Uh, I remember I had the flu only one time. Um, and, you know, as an ID doc, I probably shouldn't mention this, but I, I called my resident. I said, look, man, I'm dragging. I got the flu. I tested positive. He's like, I'll pick you up. Don't worry about it. I was like, what? I can't come to work. So that was the badge of honor. That's kind of how I trained. And that was a lot of generations even before us. My father's a physician, you know, and uh, he was a time when the reason they say residency or residence, because you're a resident of the hospital. You live, you never leave. He's like, I never left. He's like, he actually came from India. He had been newly married. He got a residency spot in the United States. My mom was still in India, finishing up her medical school. So he's like, why should I spend money on an apartment? I'll just live in the hospital. And that's what he did. Um, so that kind of culture goes back for a very long time. And I think for a long time, we were just ingrained. That's just the way it is. You keep, you know, you just keep grinding, keep grinding. But clearly, and we would love for you to expand upon this. Um, people realize that, hey, if the doctors are burnt out, if they are not taking care of themselves, they are not going to be able to take care of patients, right? So, and I would say it's a balance that I find, Clinton finds every day. We work hard. You know, we, a lot of this stuff we bring upon ourselves. We volunteer for things. We figure, hey, we're docs. We should keep working, working, working. But where is that balance? Yeah. And right now, there seems to be no balance. So we need your help for us, for all our listeners out there. You know, how do you achieve that balance? Yeah, great question. And I appreciate one, you sharing as two things I'd love to touch on that you shared. Generational expectations. Hmm. Generational expectations or cultural expectations per se from home, not just medical culture. Sure. Uh, the mirror I imagine between us two is one, you know, coming from India, it's the, it's the grit, it's the sweat equity that, you know, your that your father walks with. Yeah, that, walks that's with. a great, you know, that's a great, I don't want to interrupt you, but yes, that immigrant uh, kind of mentality of you're here, work hard, what are you complaining about? And then, you know, uh, the generation before you gave you these opportunities, so you just keep taking it to the next level and, you know, why should you complain? So absolutely, I like that, that cultural as well as generational. Yeah, no. And that's that's what forms us, you know, and I imagine when you were observing when you were a kid, you know, in that primary predominant theta brainwave pattern, you're absorbing this into your subconscious, you're absorbing this into your being, you're absorbing this at a very deep level. So when you do move out in the, you know, realm of residency or going through school, you've watched this for years upon years. So there's this, there's this cultural or generational weight that's upon us with me and Clinton, I imagine looks a little bit different, but similar too. I mean, my parents were from poverty on that second generation per se. So they right. moved out of the, you know, out of the poor areas and were able to provide, but there's still this, cause I'm black and Hispanic. There's this need, there aren't a lot of doctors per se, right that even are black or Latina. I believe there's about 980,000 physicians. There's about 4 million nurses. There's about a little less than 100,000 chiropractors. In my profession alone, we're less than 1% of the profession. Wow. Sure. With black physicians, they make up maybe 10 to 15%. And it's roughly give or take more same for nurses. Right. Uh, the demographics are a little bit, but pretty similar for Latinx. And for Indian, there's actually, I believe, more and eight more Asian doctors uh, per se. But the vast majority, there's this cultural kind of like resistance or this hill we need to walk up with. Um, but I just want to touch on that. And one thing one of my mentors, Dr. Stephen Franson, has said is that uh, work-life balance, balance is bullshit. Part of my language, but it being real, balance is bullshit. Yeah. And what we can strive for is more so for work-life harmony and that does come with boundaries and an ability to say no 
Can you explain that without idea? Can you can you explain why that balance idea? Because I've heard that recently, you know, and now I'm hearing again from you. But I, I I always thought that's what we're supposed to achieve, and then I start reading a New York Times articles of why work life balance is a fallacy. So why is that? Oh, that's a great question. And one one thing I want to just hint at, I think it starts with the language, as you just said. That's we're we're supposed to have this worth life balance, or we're supposed to know this, or we're supposed to. It's like from what box or from what realm? Because we get to created. So I think the difference between balance and harmony, balance comes from an outside in maybe projection or putting in a box. Harmony comes from checking in and awareness with your needs with, you know, whether it's for recuperation, for community, for sustainability, for contribution, and being able to stem from your values. I'd love to offer later in the episode, you know, some nuggets, some questions, some reflections that people can take away. But the ultimate thing is that you, you don't, no, or so, no one else knows what your harmony will be until you create it for yourself, test it out, refine it, and you go with these ebbs and flows of life. Because this is just work, gentlemen. This right. is just work to anyone listening. This isn't factoring in life as it will, the health and wealth of our family, our friends, the community, the side projects just as this, or the, the, the being able to have fun for ourselves. We become slaves to this system that wasn't made for us. Right. So we need to create that from inside out. And I think, um, you know, people treat you like, you know, you're supposed to be a doctor 24 seven. They don't, they don't see that the possibility of you being something other than their doctor. So, you know, mm -hmm. I know being, you know, healthcare provider in general is all about giving, but then at some point, you know, I feel taken advantage of, like, even when I'm not working, you know, patients and friends and colleagues at text, it's like, to me, it's like nonstop. And it's, it's like emotionally taxing. It's like, I'm giving, 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 and I feel bad for admitting it because that's what I'm supposed to be doing. But it's, you know, like, I'm frustrated. Like I want to turn off my phone and then people get mad when you turn off your phone. Like, right. It's that need for boundaries. You said one of the key words when it comes to the gold standard of Maslow burnout inventory. And right. that's the gold standard for measuring burnout in healthcare professionals. And the primary attribute or burnout factor is emotional exhaustion. When you're just right. tired of being tired, like at a, at a deep, deep level, you maybe get five, six hours of sleep. So of course, that's not even an adequate amount of sleep, which has a whole parade of health, you know, detriments per se. Right. But even if you are getting that time, how much of that is actually restful sleep? And where are the energetic boundaries? Because again, that word came up, supposed to, should. My right. question is, who's instilling these values? Where do these words come from culturally wise and whatever it may be? And then that's why being able to set that hard, hard boundary coming from a inundated shame culture in the United States, especially now, mask yeah. no mask vaccine no vaccine like any and all the polarities of these things now it's an, a microcosm or an expression of that in doctors or physicians is that boundary of man i just i'm, I'm off the clock and i have a need for recuperation and right. i just can't honor you in this moment being able to navigate the request for needs as i'd love to one gift that i'd love to share with everybody sure. especially especially physicians Y'all got to read Nonviolent Communication by Dr. Dr. Marshall Rosenberg. Oh, okay. So, and great just, great and recommendation. Hear, what, what, the, what, is the, what is the general theme that we should be looking for in, in this, in this so, book? Great question. What this book does... I'll, I'll get to it. I'll get to reading, uh, which was one of my... He, he can't read. 
I can't audio books. I'll, I'll look, I'll, I will look for listen, the Netflix version. Listen, no, listen, listen, listen. Audio. Good. We're always working. That's the problem. I, I would love to read. When I finally get home and read, I fall asleep in two minutes, which is a sad state of affairs. That's a, that's a story for a different day. But tell me at least. This, is, this is perfect for you then, Doc. One opportunity that this, uh, this book might give to you is the ability to communicate what's alive inside you to your staff, to your, to your boss, to whoever, as it gives you a language. And it's, I think it's the most potent tool, especially in this era of communication and the speed of things, being able to communicate right. what is it that you notice, what is it that you feel, and make a request for your needs to be met. There's about nine to 10 core needs for every human every human needs. It kind of correlates with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, as a lot of people might have been exposed to that and going through psychology. And that's not just some cute triangle to memorize. No, that's literally how you can be able to ascend these different rungs of needs that then lead to self-actualization. But self-actualization to me simply means freedom and expression. And if you aren't being met at the biological need of sleep, water, recuperation, healthy, organic, like quality, actual food, then you're not going to be worried about uh, uh, community. Then you're not going to be worried about, you know, um, home life and what that might look like. And then let alone being able to serve at a high level. So this book offers a way to communicate needs in the healthcare profession, in the hospitals, in the clinic, in the clinics, let alone amongst each other versus taking things so offensively or working out of a shame-based kind of origin. Oh, it's a Amazing. lot of it's a lot of things going on there. We, we I mean, you know, I, I think it's just a culture, uh, you know, like you mentioned before, and I think that has changed somewhat. I mean, I think part of that has been um, uh, with the acceptance that, you know, killing yourself during residency does not make necessarily make a better physician. Uh, but there's still, you know, when I was doing my training, there were still people who said, man, you're lucky you get to go home every third day. You know, my day was every second. It was almost like you said, a shame culture, you know, where um if I told someone I'm Q3, which means, you know, for those out there who don't know, you know, you're on call every third night in the ICU, people would say, what are you talking about? You know, that's easy. I, my day was Q2. You don't you know you guys have it too easy. And now we're older. We might say, man, the millennials, they have it easy in the best students, you know, but that kind of goes on and on and on. And then after a while, you kind of realize that, hey, you know what, this is a broken system. Um, and then of course, if you throw COVID on top of it, and then, you know, for anyone that's in medicine out there, we won't get into all those details, but then you throw in EMRs and regulations from Medicare and insurance companies and all those things on top. Uh, you know, one thing I want you to kind of just address is, you know, as a physician, you know, I was just commenting to Clinton the other day, I'm parts of all these different chat groups on social media and a, a big, this, a lot of these things are physicians looking, unfortunately, a, a significant amount looking to get out of medicine, retire early. And yep. even really, you know, and so I'm almost amazed. And when I first saw this, I'm like, man, you spent all this time going to med school, residency, fellowship training. Why are you looking to leave after eight, nine years? I'm now 14 years into it, you know, after my fellowship. Um, but then I realized these are people that they're willing to take pay cuts. You know, it's not because they uh, are lazy. It's just that they can't take anymore. And, and so I realized this is not just some person in isolated incident. This is across the board. These are huge numbers of people that are looking for a way out. And that clearly is a reflective of a, of, of a system that's broken. So, I mean, so particularly for, for what, what do you offer? Like, what, what, what do you suggest that we do? Yeah, well, quick quick side note, Clinton, I feel like there's a layer coming on your end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, part of the problem is there's this bar, this barometer that, I don't know, doctors in a service or just health, I keep saying doctors, but uh, healthcare professionals 
have yeah. to meet to be adequate, like to be a good nurse, to be a good doctor, to be a good chiropractor, a dentist, whatever. You have to be giving and you have to be good at giving and quality and stuff like that. So part of that is self-inflicted because once you don't achieve that, once you say no, then, you know, you've even given up on the system yourself. So how did you have to navigate through that too? I mean, I'm sure you did, but uh, how did you, how did you address those situations where you were just able to say, I need that, that harmony again? That's a great question. And I just wanted to dive and reflect, uh, being able to one, be aware of kind of like, where is your enough? Like, where right. is your rock bottom? True, and true, true. Some people yeah. might be swimming there, might feel freaking stuck there. And one thing I want to just hit home, I've been there myself. My right. It was more so when I was younger in the quarters, I stretched myself too thin, like going to all these different clubs, working to study, trying to figure out what I think, I think the saying was you either have a social life, you're good at academics yeah. or you sacrifice sleep. And there's another thing. Cause then there's business. You got to understand with my profession. And then there's your philosophy. Then there's the adjusting technique. So you have to pick, so to speak, one of these, but you're going to lose out on the other. And yeah. I was in a space where I was depressed. The yeah. level of thought or the quality of thought was so horrible. I was homesick. I just got out of a bad relationship. I had different family things going on. And then you put on school and then me stretching myself too thinner, what uh, we like to say is overextending of self. And that was my lowest point. And what I had to do was work through my shit, which was beginning to bring acknowledgement and awareness of, okay, where are these unmet needs or where does this, this need to keep showing up, keep showing up or this value of excellence, which is amazing to have, but it wasn't defined. So that just led to this never being good enough kind of deal until I was able to surround myself around with people in a community, which I think is one of the biggest antidotes, one of the biggest, biggest needs too, as well. Um, Being able to be in a community that acknowledged the pain, that acknowledged and saw me for who I am, what I was going through, and that provided safety for then me to then move and navigate through and recreate myself, my vision, my purpose, my mission. And that way that those become anchors to me. What are my, what are your question for everybody listening? What are your core values? And are you operating out of them? Because mine are gratitude, love, collaboration, family, and, uh, uh, and exponential growth. And if I don't structure my life, let alone my purpose, from that bedrock, then I am bound to be out of alignment with my soul or what, how I like to move at a very depthful level. So to answer your question and to pile on to uh, Doc's question, was being able to ask the questions of what is my dream? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I here? Who is my community and who can I lean on? Because there's this islanding kind of syndrome I've noticed. Yeah. More so with chiropractors outside when they graduate that they kind of fall off the face of the map. I'm part of SABCA or the Student American Black Chiropractic Association. And one thing is their goal is to begin to build that network, build that safety net. I'm a part of a chiropractic fraternity that's been around for over 100 years. And it's about building a network, building a brotherhood that is on a similar trajectory, similar path, similar purpose, and being able to lean into each other because there's life and then there's school and then there's work. So 
asking these deeper questions of reflection and uh, surrounding yourself around individuals that can catch you and being, uh, allowing yourself to be caught, right. allowing yourself to not just be the, the hustler or being the one that has to prove something. And I challenge people to, whether it be go to therapy, whether it be go to acupuncturist or somewhere where you can begin to even do the deep work. And that's not some esoteric right like term i'm using no that's something that only you know what you need to heal and a lot of inner child work also comes with that because going all the way back to doc's original point watching his father he was literally ingraining this 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 value of excellence i imagine and more and then we be out of that so there's a lot of wounded adults walking around that don't even know who they are which then they go into this system that's not sustainable and it only gets exacerbated from there you got to tell me what your background is because like you are, and that's what impressed me about you. Like yeah, these, absolutely. These, these profound statements aren't out of the mouth of a normal guy. You know, this is like, you're very passionate about it. And I, you say you were interested because you had friends and people around you, but I think there's deeper, there's deeper interest. in that, like, um, it looks like you found your passion and your calling. So I'm, mm-hmm. I want to thank you because I also want to touch on a point you hit um, that, that resonated with me. You said knowing yourself and finding your triggers. Cause I know exactly what my triggers are. And I think I, if I say no to those triggers that may change my whole outlook on it. So am I, am, talk- I trigger, am I a trigger to you sometimes? Do I, do I make you anxious and nervous? <laughs> Just when you tell bad jokes. Oh but, um, <laughs> No, I, I'm kidding. Of course. But the, I think what my you, trigger. I would like to mo- know what your triggers are. My, most I- recently is um, not being able to um, disconnect from work. Like if I come home, I hate being called about hospital stuff. If I'm not around, if I'm yeah. not on. Um, if I'm at the supermarket, do not come up to me asking about your. Me- you know, it's like that, and I feel bad saying that, but you know, that, <laughs> but I also feel good saying it because, you know people will keep taking advantage of you until you, you know, that it, it hurts you inside. So um, question for you, Doc, yeah. as I feel like this is a real opportunity, what is the unmet need behind that feeling? So I heard that you have feelings of frustration, a little bit right. of anger, and that's just a real boundary. So what is your need underneath that? My need is to see me as a person, not just a, a provider. Like, uh, like mm-hmm. it, to me, it's like, take, 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 like, no, I can't fill out this paperwork for you at Saturday night. You know, like I, I had no desire to to give twenty four seven, and then and you know, part of me struggled with that being just a selfish desire. But then I realized it's like it's more than me being selfish; it's me knowing what I need, right? Like being able to say no, I, I've struggled with so much. But that's huge. I think I think a problem that's reflected because a lot of us, um, our identity becomes a physician, right? We always say it's not a job. Yeah not occupation it's who we are in hey. a hey. large part it is who i am it's almost like when i tell people man if you give up being a clinical physician it's like going from the military to a civilian how, how do you do that you know wow. i know um when my dad wow. retired a lot of his friends retired you know some of them had issues because their whole identity uh was being a physician and so now that we're in active practice i i echo clinton i echo uh dr coleman's you know clinton's uh sentiments but how, how do you draw that because you know for me i feel like okay during a time of COVID, how do I turn my phone off when people are, are asking me questions all day long and yeah. it's my specialty, right? And um, and I've dove, dove 
you know, in head first, like a lot of us here at Holy Name and, you know, and my colleagues and Clinton, Colton, Clinton. But then I realized it's been a year, man. And I think it's, it's a year of my life gone, you know, and, uh, you know, I know it's a lot of people have, have suffered, but um, I, I always, how about this? I, I always, uh, and I'm, I think Clinton does too. And one way you want to be around 24 seven, be a physician, be, uh, uh, um, and, and, you know, and constantly be on and constantly be available and being a, you know, a person who people look up to, so to speak, in the community as an expertise. But then sometimes you're like, man, this is too much. I can't take anymore. And then I'll feel guilty for thinking that. Like I'm off yeah. this week. And I was telling someone, I'm going to put my phone away. I'm not on call. But actually the reality is because of COVID and questions and vaccines and therapeutics and blah, blah, blah. If I put my phone away, there'll be 25 text messages by tomorrow morning of, you know, should I get the vaccine? What kind of vaccine? Blah, blah, blah. And then I feel guilty about, um, about not answering it. But then I also uh, should feel guilty because I'm off this weekend and I've seen my family very little, relatively speaking, this past year. Um, and I, it takes away time from them. So I think you mentioned, and someone told me once the four burners, it's very hard to have your job, health, uh, I don't know, uh, like relationships uh, and something else yeah. all cooking at the same time. You know, so basically if you give to one, something else is going to suffer. And I think, um, I think that's what Clinton is saying too. It's like, uh, I, 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 I think we both uh, kind of struggle with that issue of, we feel guilty for saying no. And then when we don't say no, you feel angry. It's almost like guilty, angry, guilty, angry, and stressed out. It's, it's a constant like triangle of, of, of emotion. We have a therapy here. I feel like. <laughs> Who knew that really this is a therapy, therapy for us? <laughs> you're being heard, gentlemen. That's what happens. That's what happens when you're heard, gentlemen. And yeah, I know. What, we appreciate you. From yeah. Coleman, I'm here for it. Uh, there's a big need to be understood. There's yeah. a big need to be seen as a human. And one thing I just want to touch on that you mentioned, Doc, was um, going from doctor to civilian. And one thing to tie in, you know, a little bit more of my story, I got to appreciate to this to an extent. I was a D1 sprinter and I suffered an Achilles injury my senior year. And ironically enough, in that injury, I had to step away from track and I questioned myself, questioned my identity because you're poor. You're <laughs> When you're on scholarship, you're 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 owned by the school. You yeah. practice when you practice. You lift when you're supposed to lift. You go wherever the team goes, and you do whatever you need to. And with that application now to being a doctor, I was able to already recreate who I needed to be and who who I was. And that's actually where I discovered chiropractic in that small year where I had to recuperate and focus on self. But tying into what you said, Doc, that one thing I want to offer for both of you. It's not on all of you. The weight of the world, it's not on just you. Yeah. It's not on your shoulders to save your community. It's not on your shoulders to save your friends. It's not on your shoulders. You, what you guys are expressing or what this is a symptom of is a system of healthcare that hasn't been working. And it's a symptom of the United States being the sickest first world country in the world, in the world. Yeah. You guys are having to deal with uh, 94% of people or more people who had been experiencing COVID symptoms or even past of COVID symptoms had two or more, two or more chronic diseases, which could be prevented with lifestyle. Yes, yes, yeah, of course. I mean, you guys are, you guys are, that's why, that's why I do what I do because yeah. nurses and physicians for this exact reason have been, have this 
burden because we have to save. That's why healthcare heroes, when I first started hearing that, I was like, that's interesting. And I asked one of my nurses friends right. about that and they got pissed because that puts a responsibility of us needing to save people who can't even save themselves because one, they're in a culture that doesn't even let them know about organic foods or what's the difference or what pesticides are like. Why is our food poisoned? Why is our water poisoned? Why aren't we being encouraged to move better? Why aren't we being encouraged to do these little things? I finally got this, right? So take a good look. <laughs> if you guys are listening to this podcast, just picture a water bottle. Every single day, you need to go to the faucet. You need to put a little bit of water or a little bit of life yes, into this yes. water bottle, and especially if you're a healthcare physician. So that way you can drink, that way you can drink some of this, this good water this good life juice that's in here. So then you can pour into your people. And that comes with movement, breath work, meditation, mindfulness, recuperation. Mindfulness is a big one. I know that's a big one, right? Because I think we're constantly moving all the time. And I don't, I don't want to harp on us. I think it's, it's a lot, this is applicable to everyone else. Us is for everybody. Hey, us, I hear, when you say us, I hear human being. When you say us, I hear healthcare providers. So I just want to Very echo good. that for everybody. You don't hear uh, just me and Clinton hanging out and going stressed out. But that no. idea of mindfulness, can you just uh, just touch on that? Because I feel like that's so important. And uh, I feel a lot of us have none, which is, I'm assuming you mean we should be living in the moment, being aware of what our surroundings, what's happening. But instead, we're just moving from A to B to C without really any uh, acknowledgement yeah. around us. Yeah. Uh, I love how you say should once more because it's just an opportunity. We get to. We deserve to live in the present moment because that's all we have and people are like oh that's corny and i used to think the same thing until that's where you can check in <sighs> man how am i doing what are my needs how's my heart rate am i happy am i smiling when i walk into this room with a patient do i have a frown on my face and do i look freaking exhausted how am I able to show up for someone if I can't show up for myself? Yeah, that's it. So right. mindfulness can be something simple as simply a breath in, a breath out before you walk into another room, before you do, 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 do. But instead, mindfulness is a portal for you to be. Because it's not about what you do, it's how you be that can actually invite people to see a life that they can live once more, get back to a state. But if we're just stressed and we're literally killing ourselves, and this is where the chiropractic comes in, uh, if you are on this drive, say for my people listening to this podcast, if your foot's on the gas the whole time and you're just on this very sympathetic state, which is a, keep in mind, this is a nervous system that's only supposed to be there for a few seconds and is in reaction due right. to like a bear, a saber-toothed tiger, something that was literally going to kill us. So the blood can divert, the energy can divert from your GI or your gut, from all these yeah. different spaces and into your muscles so that way you can get out of there. However, take the nurse, take the physician. They are now on that very sympathetic state dealing oh, with death and the emotional stress that comes with people dying under your care, under your watch, quote unquote, keeping them in this sympathetic state that was only supposed to be meant for a few seconds. And mindfulness is an opportunity. Chiropractic helps you shift from the sympathetic state to this parasympathetic state to allow the brakes to come or just take your foot off the gas. Right. So that way you can truly rest and digest. You can process the trauma and the secondary trauma and the compassion fatigue, 
that is very real and is stacked up as more stress. It allows your body to process the emotions and what it's feeling. So that way you can, I call it, I call it the dirty windshield. All this dirt, all this dirt is getting on this windshield. You got stress from work, stress from life, patience, whatever it might be. It allows you to wipe this windshield so that way you have a new lens to see life because Dr. Bruce Lipton and the biology of belief your lens or your perspective dictates your biology. And I imagine, I imagine if you are able to be able to be in a more relaxed state of mind and being that you're going to be able to show up and make better decisions, better life decisions for yourself and for your people. So it is literally imperative that doctors and nurses and people that are stressed in this time, the PAs, everybody can be able to shift back down so that way their body can do what it's meant to do. And that's rest and recuperate so that way you can be present. When are you going to do your TED Talk, man? Because this is... Uh, Ooh. This is, this is, I don't know. Whenever, I don't ready. know. Whenever they get paid. But man, that's why I'm glad I can be here and connect with y'all and just keep showing up and efforting with this, this need that's so important. Because right. I'm like, the, I like to say I provide for the providers. Right. So that way the providers, aka the humans, can show up for their families and the people right. that they get to be around. Like right. that's just that love at home. Like, so I try to bring awareness to well, how are you showing up? And what my coaching sessions look like, it's a lot of just doing this on the Zoom call on this podcast episode, holding a container so that way you can slow down and you can process some of the questions, asking things like, what's most important? Where is right. that stemming from? Um, and move people to consciously create their lives because yeah, you're a doctor right. and you're also a human being. And what does Dr. Coleman love to do? What does Dr. Cigar love to do? Like, how do y'all like to move? What brings you life? What do you right. want to do in this life? Yeah, yes, you want to serve and that's your occupation, but it's not your life, baby. What are your dreams? What do you want to do? Because we're both, I'll say you both are young men. Still have I'm a, a lot younger. of life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a little younger. And how age, you show up age is only a matter of state of mind. You know that. So. And if your state of mind is stressed, Doc, if your state of mind is always need to be on the job, Doc, how, how old are you? Yeah. Oh, that, that, I, you know, I told people and we're aging ourselves quickly with this job. Yes. Uh, yes. I had a nice, beautiful head of hair before I started this job, you know, so. <laughs> I bet. I, so, I bet. I, I guess, I guess that's sympathetic and all that cortisone really did a number on me. But um, um, let me... Um, the reason why I asked about the um, the TED talk, I was being, I was joking, but no, I really think the, um, I want to pick your brain. Do you think the solution to this can be done at scale? Like I know you do individual coaching, but you think that'll work to get doctors as a community where they need to be, or how can you do what you do at scale? That's the question. That's a great question. And I humbly bow my hat to, I believe his name is uh, Dr. Dyke Drummond. I was okay. just on a uh, webinar last week with uh, facilitated by Jonathan Fisher. He is a cardiologist, amazing individual, and he's, he is a force with ending physician burnout. Okay. And quite literally, doc, it needs to be a systemic scale. So yeah, we need a Drummond, conference. We had a week, a monthly conference, oh, yeah. yearly conference. And I'll be I'm happy to interweave and, you know, give all the links and connect y'all as Dr. Drummond has coached over 40,000 physicians through burnout, and he works with the hospitals to make it a top-down approach mm -hmm. because when we're able to examine, like the reason why hospitals don't want to dive into life coaching or modalities or whatever it might be for the physicians because it's an expense. Right. So we talked about being able to offer it as a means to, to uh, prevent physician turnover, 
one and better two because to for a physician i hear to turn over for like a year it's like a million dollars or more training it's a huge expense so they have to look it's, at it as upfront costs that's gonna make people happier and yes if you look at the bottom line etc uh you know a better better line down the road as well yeah, yeah and then um so i believe it's right. individual Oh, you're fine. That's why I love doing what I do, but I'm still working to attract my mentors and me get more efficient to work with more people doing what I am doing. So that way, eventually it's in the hospitals and the, the CEOs or CMOs can begin to distill it, but it also comes with leadership intra physician wise to lead each other, build that community. And it comes with working with the nurses and better collaboration interprofessionally. And then where I come in is being able to work with the physicians one-on-one, but I also do Zoom calls, happy to do hour trainings, 90-minute trainings, or eventually, you know, seminars of my own eventually to be able to take care of people. And one of my dreams is also to be able to get into hospitals or bring docs out of hospitals and be able to lay hands on them and be able to facilitate their health chiropractically because we're helping reset your brain and helping people, like it's no small thing we do, but due to the cultural awareness of chiropractic, there's not as much value there now. And you think we just deal with headaches and backaches, but my baby, all those correlate with a dysfunctional nervous system. So if we can optimize your nervous system function, then we can take care of people. So individual and systemic, it needs to happen. And health leadership is the bigness of all of this. I think that's a great point because um, both Dr. Sugger and I, we uh, were administered part of the administration in the hospital. So we frequently um, deal with physicians in our departments who are either impaired for some reason um, yeah. or have decreased quality of care. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's steps uh, in place if a, if a physician is impaired, whether it's uh, from alcohol or drugs, but we don't really have much about Emotion. mental and, or emotional impairment. Yeah, yeah. Um, now I'm, I'm sure if we were to actually talk to, the, the doctors, nurses, all the staff, I'm sure, and we had a way to gauge their impairment, I'm sure the, the numbers would be off the chart. So I, for one, would be happy to have you come work with the hospital. I'm sure there's a need for it. I just, I just think that we haven't I mean, really, uh, yeah. we haven't uh, been proactive about doing that because it, mm-hmm. it helps our quality too, right? You know? Yeah, and you don't know, like it's not, or it's just not talked about. That's why I'm working to get more efficient, louder, and collaborate on social media because people, like I see so many memes nowadays or on different, like they have the meme pages for doctors or nurses. Sure, and yeah. one will mess me up. Uh, I think it was like a few months ago. It was like, man, whenever COVID's over, I'm going to create a bar for nurses and doctors and they're going to drink for free. And I was, and I laughed, but at the same time, I'm like, no, that's just right. putting it's more wrong. poison inside you. That's to- That's literally toxins. You're just drowning away the very real physiological stress, emotional stress, anguish, and pain that y'all going through, but y'all don't got to do it by yourselves. And you don't have to turn to try to fill this void. There's people that are here that want to support you and that want to shift the culture because if we can create a better environment for our physicians, for our nurses, for these hospitals, for the, the ants or the cells that animate them to thrive, that's going to reset the energetic grid of potentiality for patients all over and then they're going to show up differently for when they go home so it's a it's a very interconnected like dream approach and then and system that that needs upgrades and that i know that it's on the way win-win yep 
So Jamal, yes. tell us you're yeah. on social media. I mean, so where where can people find you on social media? Because I think obviously we know we now have a quick, clearly established this incredible need, and you uh, clearly can fulfill that need. But you know, if people want to find you, uh, how do they reach you? What's your website? Where do I sign up, man? I'm 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 ready. <laughs> That's right. He'll sign up for a complimentary class, and he needs you know uh, here for it. Uh, my easiest way to access me is at Doctor Dr. Jamal Fruster on Instagram. Uh, I'm the only one, uh, thankfully, my name combination. So really easy to find. I'm adding some tweaks, adding some tweaks to my website, which is jamalfrewster.com as well. It's like 80% done, but find me on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Uh, Jamal Frewster, if you need help spelling, J-A-M-A-L. We do two A's. Um, and then F-R-U-S-T-E-R. I'm and I, I, heard you, um, I heard you on Clubhouse and I was like, who is this dude talking all this, like, yes, this gospel? Clubhouse. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, someone told me about it and I was just went to one of like the, the health innovation rooms or something like that. And I was yes. like, this, this guy talks like he's way beyond his years. And I was like, we, we need to talk to him because um, I think right. that energy that you put out, I think it should right. be spread as far as it can be spread so i'm dragging today because you know it's a friday long day in the hospital but your energy has awoken me so i mean i, I it's palpable it's palpable how it's just transferred across mm. right now clinton's like falling asleep in the back of his chair you know sometimes yeah, I see it, and he is awake and ready to go and uh, you know so th- your energy is a force to be reckoned with for sure and i appreciate it and i, I just want to affirm like it's coming from a very genuine space in case sure. anyone that, that's very we could tell yeah you know that's and obvious. Yeah. It's, it stems from I'm I'm living a very purposeful life. So a question and an offering for you know your audience and even for you gentlemen to reflect on in this moment or later on is, you know, why are you here? Why are you doing what you guys choose to do? Because we do choose our reality. Marinate on it and give yourself permission and dive deeper with it. As when you can move from one of my mentors, Dr. Brett Jones, uh, who's He's a, he's a modern day shaman, but he is massively insightful and I've gained a lot from him. I'm only a product of my mentors and I'm only a product of my communities and living a purposeful life or a life where you're moving not out of this I should and, and supposed to, but out of I get to from a space of resonance of suffering, a space of resonance. Like I don't want anybody to have to experience what I experienced and I already know people are experiencing it and differently, I would say worse, but I say people are experiencing it differently in different ways because I went home and I would shut that door and it'd feel like I'm going to war with myself. And that's people's realities when they're just walking dead as a zombie in the hospitals, let alone in the car when they're breaking down and they're crying, let alone how they show up at home and how that's impacting things. So I just want to be able to just be able to be a light, be a sun ray and be able to invoke that within everybody, because I imagine y'all got into this profession because you wanted to help people. All doctors do, you know, and it's just, it's just a sad state of affairs when you see how many are unable um, because they're not uh, you yeah. know, unable to help themselves. Um, yes. That's a, yes. Again, every, every doctor went in, you know, at the end of the day to help people. That's what they want to do. That's what they wrote in that, on that, that med school application. Um, but then, you know, how they help themselves is not always so clear. They teach you how to help other people, but not necessarily help themselves. And that's a part of the culture because I ask as I'm in the final few weeks of my schooling, per se, as I, I am in an exam doc at the Source Chiropractic. Shout out to my sourcers out here um, in Oakland, California. However, it starts 
in school, as Dr. Melody Black, one of my mentors says, the strategies and how you be in school bleeds exactly into how you be as a doctor. So if you don't have this awareness, even as a student, then of course you're going to forfeit that when you're a doctor because it wasn't in your awareness. That's why as a chiropractor, as a life coach, I just say, yo, as a life coach, I'm a chiropractor for your mind and soul. And I help identify the dysfunctional patterns, belief systems that keep you in this cycle of should, need, supposed to help give an adjustment to that. So that way on the other side, you can step into more constructive patterns, more awareness, uh, because you don't need a life coach. But if you want to be able to appreciate a different perspective and a cleaner windshield, I'm here for it because you have the ability with this sweat equity that y'all cultivate. Like y'all are powerful individuals. Like y'all are doctors. Doctor means teacher, but doctor means leader at the same time. And if y'all can't lead yourselves, mm. what are we doing? That's a lot of inspiration. Bars, you are bars. indeed a, a healer, you know, for the soul. And then we'll, I guess you've inspired us to be a podcast for the soul. So, you know, we're going to have to keep uh, working towards that. But uh, we want to thank you so much for coming on today. This has been uh I'll be honest. I mean, I know Clinton told me about you, but just finally talking to you uh, is really something else. So it's, it's really, uh, you know, you are indeed a force we reckon with, and we look forward to seeing what you do in the future and, uh, you know, hopefully talk to you again uh, very soon, but we want everyone out there to certainly find uh, you on Instagram, on your website. And uh, clearly you have the ability to help many people, you know, that's really needed. So we thank you, you know, from the bottom of our heart. Thank you so much. I received that and I appreciate that doc as I'm beyond honored to be able to be on the recommended dose, which I, that's a fire title, by the way, like that's a fire title and an offer fire was- guy came up with that. <laughs> In case anyone wants to dive deeper too. Uh, I'm I'm working on marketing myself better. It's not my genius. My genius flow is in front of people in connection, uh, but I also have a podcast called soul coffee. Okay, so awesome. Enjoy yourself so that way, you know, y'all souls can be a little caffeinated and move a little bit differently. I got about 18 episodes on there, anywhere from life coaches, chiropractors, neuroscientists, so a whole spectrum, but all coming back to a deeper way to live and cultivate our thought fitness. That's my bigness with it, or that's my big intention with it, to be able to cultivate the soil that people then have these different thoughts, dreams, beliefs, actions, values stem from. So if y'all need a little bit more, you know, your people feel free to put on soul coffee and tag me or let me know. And best believe it. Yeah. I'm, I'm here for it all gentlemen. So I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for being able to connect y'all in this capacity. Awesome, man. Thanks for coming on. Always, always, you know, a fantastic episode. We want to thank all our listeners for listening. Recommend Daily Dose, uh, Dr. Sauger, my co-host and uh, gentleman who one day will be complete, but we'll see, Dr. Clinton Coleman. Uh, find us, listen to us, rate and review. Uh, until next time, be well. Thank you very much. <laughs>